1: Welcome to another thrill packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the Ukrainian supermodel defending her country. I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, that whole situation over there, and it's going to be, we have a foreign policy focus in today's show. My name, by the way, is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. And. Wanting to sort out what the heck is going on over there in Ukraine and what the motives are behind the uh, the players, we've invited back to the show our favorite foreign policy expert, Ken Timmerman. And you can find his good work at Ken Timmerman dot is author of numerous books. Uh, most recently was it was a novel, but. All Too True was Election Heist, published in September of 2020. And he's also written uh, Dark Forces about what happened in Benghazi, Countdown to Crisis. We're going to talk about the situation with Iran. Uh, the coming nuclear show, the, the book is entitled, countdown to crisis the coming nuclear showdown with iran and numerous others over the over the years he's been a reporter focusing on foreign policy and especially the middle east since the 1980s and uh welcome welcome to the show and uh, we do appreciate last time we dragged you off the beach today i think he sounds like you're inside for for, that for this for this for this show
2: that's right. But we were in studio together, once, and I appreciated that, Greg. Yes. It was fun to be out there with y'all.
1: It was. It was you, you gave a great speech and presentation to the Redlands Tea Party Patriots back in September. So I'm watching That's the right. situation in, in Ukraine. And it doesn't, you know, you had an article, I think, on front page that, you know, we haven't seen the mass air attacks like the U.S. did when invaded Iraq, or in the in the uh, Kuwait Gulf War in the nineteen nineties, um, they, so they don't seem to be as as dedicatedly serious. It's unclear what um, the, um, what the Russian goals are. What are they, what are they hoping to achieve by this? Their stated reason is: well, we want to demilitarize and denazify the country. Okay, well. Um, Underlying this is supposed Ukrainian membership in NATO, which was not pending. It wasn't, there wasn't any pending proposal for that. And then you see on the, this side, this, all the same people that ran with the Trump Russia collusion hoax that exaggerated and lied about the COVID pandemic and so on and so on are now all ginned up on this. Vladimir Putin is Hitler. This is the moral equivalent of, uh, World War II, we need to stand up to them, and we all need to fall in line. If you, don't, if you question what's going on in Ukraine and whether what we should be doing there, you're a traitor, you're a tool of Vladimir Putin. Okay. Um, I saw a meme that had a picture of the G7 leaders, Biden and et al, with the leader of the EU, and the, 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 the words on the meme were, were is, I'm not for Putin, I'm just against all of these guys. And that pretty well summarizes what I th- think about the situation. Uh, so what? pick up any one of those questions and themes. What's going on? Um, who's trying to accomplish what in this situation?
2: Well, Greg, there's a lot to talk about and a lot of unknowns. Uh, we are smack in the middle of the fog of war. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, I had uh, remarked with a certain amount of astonishment the lack of a Russian shock and awe campaign, uh, such as we have twice done, uh, demonstrated in Iraq, also in Afghanistan after 9-11. It didn't happen. Uh, instead, uh, there have been some sorties by Russian aircraft. You don't see an awful lot of them. Uh, I've been quite surprised not to see more video of Russian aircraft over Ukraine airspace. Uh, everybody's got a cell phone over there. and The Internet isn't blocked as far as I can see. Uh, the the other thing you haven't seen is the Ukrainian Air Force. And it suggests to me that maybe the Russians did actually take out the airfields. Now, I don't know that for a fact, but it sounds like the Russians took out the airfields, uh, bombed them uh, with uh, runway busting bombs. Uh, very easy to do. You created them. OK, they can resurface the airfield in a couple days, but then the Russians can just bomb it again. So it, this is proceeding not like a major, massive, direct invasion such as the U.S. Carried out, it's almost a bit piecemeal, and that's quite troubling and and disturbing. You wonder if Putin really does have a strategy. Uh, You wonder if his military is acting on their own. I mean, they are shelling civilian buildings. It's pretty clear. I mean, that footage is absolutely crystal clear. Uh, Those are war crimes. So Putin has not been behaving very well in this invasion. And if his goal had been, as he says, to replace the Zelensky government with a stooge like Yanukovych or somebody else, he's not doing a very good job.
1: It's also unclear what the state of the war, how much of Ukraine has Russia occupied? What's if they, the gist of it was maybe it's not going so well for the Russians, but it's they're like a week into it at this point. So that they haven't won is not necessarily, well, they're going to lose, but it's hard to find good news about okay here's where they are here's how much they've occupied yeah the uh
2: interesting you, you, you remind me of um, uh, of the second gulf war in 2003 i was in france we had just purchased a house in the south of france and i was beginning to wonder if it was a huge mistake because of the extraordinary anti-american tenor of the french government under Chirac and the french media and there was one one correspondent for Le Monde, their uh, New York Times, if you wish, of of France, which I have written for in the past. And and he was in southern Iraq. Iraq. The U.S. invasion was in its second week and had stalled. They had stalled and they weren't getting, you know, the the heroic resistance in Basra had stalled the invasion. And then he said the Americans are cowboys. They're even shooting cows. Now, (laughs) obviously, none of that was true. Uh, And that's what happens in the fog of war. And you don't clear the fog of war while the shooting is still going on, at least not not easily.
1: Okay. so what what precipitated this? What did did Putin just sense weakness? And I can get I can grab some territory Um, was was NATO expansion into Kuwait and into Kuwait, into Ukraine? A realistic possibility something he was really had to worry about. Um, our, my, one of my friends, Agnes, was on the show last week, Agnes Gibney who's from U- Hungary, and she was worried they're going to keep rolling through Ukraine and into Hungary and Poland. I'm not sure that's correct. It's just, how do we get into this? It, well, I, I'm going to take
2: a, a, a bit of a contrarian view and uh, not... Uh, uh, sound the uh, uh, law, uh, not laud the actions of President uh, President inept Joe Biden. Uh, I did a cover story for Newsmax, Newsmax magazine in December. And I recalled it was on Putin. It was called Putin's War on the West. And it recalled the previous buildup in Ukraine in March and April of 2021, just three months, two, two to three months after Biden took office. And there was Biden going out there in public, you know, shaking his fist at Mr. Putin and saying, we're going to stop you militarily if you go in to Ukraine. And I'm sitting there thinking, I said, wait a second, militarily? Ukraine's not part of NATO. We do not have a Article V um, commitment to the self, to the defense of Ukraine. You know, Article Five is part of the NATO treaty. And it says when one, one treaty member is attacked, all of them respond. Uh, All of them fight back. And we don't have that kind of treaty obligation with Ukraine. We have no treaty obligation with Putin. Uh, The only obligations that I'm aware of are perhaps the contractual obligations of Hunter Biden to uh, Ukrainian oligarchs and that, um, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton has to Ukrainian uh, companies that uh, took the DNC server in 2016 and unilaterally declared without the FBI ever being able to examine it, that Russia had hacked the DNC server. When there's an awful lot of uh, evidence that Seth Rich, a disgruntled Bernie Sanders uh, volunteer at the DNC, might have just squirreled those records out in a USB drive and was murdered on the streets of Washington, D.C. because of it. So there is a, I think there's a certain amount of American provocation and provocation by this administration. I think a lot of it is stupid. uh, And, uh, you know, it is just, it is ill advised, it is stupid. You don't make a threat like Russia will face military consequences. We will stop them militarily if you don't mean it. And for you to mean it, you've got to have about 150,000 troops there on the ground to, um, uh, to to enforce that type of statement. We haven't had 150,000 troops on the ground in Europe since 2003. And we pulled them out and sent them to Iraq and Kuwait. And after that war, sent them home.
1: Yeah. I tell them what you see, they're going to send 7,000 troops to Poland or something like that. And that's just in the scheme of things and then, versus the uh, number of troops and tanks, et cetera, that the Russians have, that's, uh, that's, that's insignificant. Uh,
2: it is. What, what it is, is a tripwire. Uh, so uh, by stationing U.S. combat troops in Poland, and I expect they're going to be in uh, the Baltic states, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, uh, also possibly in Romania and Bulgaria, that is a message. And that is a, that is a clear message to Mr. Putin. He gets this kind of, uh, That if you attack those countries, in other words, if you go beyond Ukraine, uh, you will be in a direct shooting war with the United States of America. And we had just this week the Russian foreign minister acknowledging that that type of shooting war would be nuclear. Uh, Pretty chilling when you think of it.
1: Yeah, there was a report that the Russians had placed their nuclear forces on high alert, which I don't know, that was just that's just hey, back off, guys, don't, don't push us too far, or that I would actually seriously contemplate using nuclear weapons over Ukraine.
2: Well, the, the thing is, Greg, that the uh, Russian um, central staff changed the military doctrine of the Russian Federation a couple of years ago to allow for first use of nuclear weapons. And it's, uh, again, something that's pretty astonishing. It didn't didn't get a lot of ink in this country. Not a lot of folks paid attention to it because they didn't believe it or want to believe it. But it was accompanied by uh, the development of what you could call micro-nuclear weapons, very, very small nuclear weapons, a kiloton, a half a kiloton, which are clearly battlefield weapons, tactical weapons, could be used, uh, fired from howitzers on, on the ground uh, certainly dropped from aircraft, but, uh, you know, fired from tanks as well to clear up areas of intense resistance or ultimately, perhaps in the case of Kyiv, to convince the Ukrainian government to stop fighting.
1: So what is What's what does Ukraine want out of this? Why? I mean, they could they could have said, hey, We're not going to we don't want to be a member of NATO. We just we want good relations with all of our neighbors. And, and of course, including Russia, we have historic ties to them, cultural ties to them. And it seems to me Ukraine could have probably avoided this war, too.
2: Well, I think that's probably right. But also, let's not forget, there has been a shooting war between Ukraine and Russia in the eastern part of the country, in the Donbass, since 2014. Luhansk and Donbass. And uh, over 14,000 Ukrainians have been killed in that simmering conflict. They have something called the Minsk Accords, uh, you know, after the capital of Belarus, where they agreed in 2015, both sides, to a ceasefire, to a line of control between the two. But that has been continuously violated by both Russians and the Ukrainians. So that simmering war is certainly something that the Ukrainians would want to end. They would like to regain uh, control over their territory in eastern Ukraine. And the Russians say, well, wait a second, that's not really yours. It's historically Russian. So you do have a historic conflict between Russia and Ukraine over eastern Ukraine. And and many of the, you know, I don't know what the exact uh, percentage of the population is, but there's a high percentage of the population there that are ethnic Russians. Uh, and and Putin evacuated something like 700,000 of them to Russia in, in, on the very first day of this current conflict. And they went there willingly. They were happy to go to Russia. Uh, you could have a similar situation in those two breakaway republics that you had in Crimea in 2014 when when uh putin held a referendum now uh, referendum i mean it, it was a soviet style referendum with 99 percent in favor of, of sec- seceding from ukraine but uh, still they, there was a pretense and i remember a very good friend of mine who worked with me in the uh, um, uh foundation for democracy in iran and he was a uh a state legislator in new york from upper new york state bill Noj. he was ready to go over there with the um, uh, you know, with some of the democracy institutions of the United States government to serve as an election monitor. It never happened. An internationally supervised uh, election never happened. OK, yeah, I expected in the beginning. So here here's let me cut to the chase. I expect in the beginning Putin would go into eastern Ukraine, maybe down to, uh, you know, down the Crimean Peninsula to marry Paul and the rest. And that would be it. Weren't we all wrong? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, we shall see what where they do end up going. But let's take a pause here and hear from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of Planet Home Lending, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this.
3: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM 590, The Answer. If you'd like to own a home you need financing, or you'd like to refinance a home you already own, whether that's in California or one of these escape from California states, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana, I'm the guy you want to talk to. Or if you'd like to inquire into the, one of the most liberating financing tools for seniors, a reverse mortgage, you want to talk to someone who will guide you towards decisions based on your best interest, not theirs. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. My team and I will lead you to the best decision for you, based on your short-term and your long-term goals. Again, for more information, call me at 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo.
0: AM
1: 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased to be visiting with Ken Timmerman, uh, our favorite foreign policy expert. Uh, You can find his work at KenTimmerman.com. And he was actually nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for his work on uncovering and reporting on Iran's nuclear weapons program. And we're going to be, during the show, we're going to be talking in greater depth about that. It's not, not a crisis yet, but it has the potential to be. Uh, one of the things about this um, situation is everyone's all hot and bothered by R- Russia invading Ukraine, but we're still buying their energy. We're still buying their oil. We're still buying their natural gas.
2: Uh, that's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic that that is still happening, especially since the Biden White House uh, has been you know, cracking down really hard on our European friends to cut off Russian shipments of natural gas and oil to them. Uh, he, he he wants the lights to go out in Europe so we can keep the lights on here in the United States. It's It's not particularly wise as a policy, and I think most European leaders see through that. That's one reason why the Germans in particular were hesitant for so long to jump on this war bandwagon. And they only did, over this past weekend, had uh, his kind of curious, Greg, it happened when Biden went home to Delaware and uh, basically went a wall, And then the Germans got together and said, oh, this is really bad. We've got to come out with serious sanctions. And on Monday morning, you had this package of sanctions, unbelievably tough package of sanctions from the Germans and the Europeans that uh, essentially uh, shut Russia out of the in- international financial markets and will impact Russian sales of oil.
1: I know we still are, and energy is energy. You need the stuff, and it was, it was hard even with Iraq under Saddam Hussein to keep the oil embargo in place, or with Iran, and not prevent them from being able to find circuitous ways of nevertheless selling their oil, because oil is oil, and it's a, it's a, uh, it is a fungible product. Uh,
2: that's right, and the oil markets function as a market. Uh, so uh, in one sense, it's beneficial if, if Russian oil Disappears from the market, and you have other sources that can ramp up, then you can alleviate the pressure on rising gas prices at the pump and rising prices of heating oil and of natural gas. But that's not what's happening in the United States. Since Joe Biden has taken office, we have reduced our production in the United States from 12 million barrels a day to 10 million. We've reduced by 2 million barrels a day. That's almost as much as a total amount of Russian oil that up until Thursday had. Was estimated to have been taken off of the market by uh, companies and traders who voluntarily uh, refused to buy Russian oil. So we have that spare capacity, but Biden and the green energy zealots who control him don't want us to use it. They want to shut down our fossil fuel production. The Keystone XL pipeline, which is another 800,000 barrels a day from Canada, by the way, more than what we were importing from Russia a couple of days ago. They shut that down. And the latest word is that the company is actually uh, uh, uncovering, is, is taking out of the ground some of the pipe because they know it's never going to happen again. Uh, this, is, this is foolish. It's foolhardy. And it is a policy on the part of the Biden White House. He, he ordered the shutdown of Keystone on the second day of his presidency. Amazing. And he's gone on since then to ban new drilling in Alaska. To ban new drilling on uh, federal lands uh, and also to shut off. This is less known to most people, including, I'm sure, most of our listeners, to shut down a prospective pipeline that would have sent Israeli natural gas from the Leviathan and Tamar oil fields to, uh, uh, through Cyprus to Greece and to Western Europe. And he shut that one down, too, uh, in the beginning of January. So we have a, a suicidal energy policy that has clearly emboldened Putin. Remember, the other thing that Biden did at the beginning was to lift sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That was Russia's 10 uh, billion cubic meter uh, a, a year um, pipeline to Germany to supply the Germans. So he lifted sanctions on that. Trump had put the sanctions in place to keep pressure on Russia, to keep pressure on Putin. And Biden, who says, I'm going to be so tough on Putin, he'll never know what hit him, takes those sanctions off on day three of his administration. And now he said, oh, yeah, we've got to put sanctions back on that pipeline. Have you ever heard him admit to a mistake? Not
1: once. Well, in, in his defense, he doesn't remember the mistake.
2: <laughs> Probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe
1: we'll have a chance to ask the ask the question, but I want to pursue this energy a little further. Who's really running the Biden White House? And I I don't think it's Joe Biden. But on the energy, it's also and not well it's not well known, but it has been reported that the Russians have been backing and giving getting money to various Western. Uh, both in Europe and in America, environmental groups to restrict energy development in our countries to make the market stronger and increase the price for Russian natural gas and oil?
2: Gee, Greg, that might be called a strategy. (laughs) Let's fuel green energy in America so they reduce their oil production so we can pick up the slack and sell more oil. That might be a strategy. Our strategy, the U.S. strategy under President Inept Biden, uh, has been to do just the opposite. It's a suicidal refusal to use our natural resources for the benefit of the American people. And I believe it has led directly to this war. I think it emboldened Putin. It let him understand that we were not going to get in the way of him uh, sending more natural gas to Germany, to essentially having a stranglehold over Germany, the head of that pipeline, people don't know this, uh, so it's not such common knowledge, is a guy named Gerhard Schroeder. Gerhard Schroeder is a former uh, left-wing socialist prime chancellor of Germany. So he's sitting there in Zug, Switzerland, with about 120 employees figuring out how to lobby the European Union, and I heard uh, earlier this week that most of those employees have now been fired. Good riddance. Hmm.
1: The uh, Europe has has gone down this green energy road a lot further and faster than we have. And in Germany, they've been shutting down nuclear power plants. Uh, They were selling some natural gas, but the the whole goal was, you know, it's all going to be this green energy stuff. And of course, that's more expensive, it's not reliable. The sun is, doesn't always shine. The wind doesn't always blow. So you need the backup capacity anyways. But they're in a position where their energy costs are just are much greater. And, and it's real, for, for lower-income people, it is a tremendous financial burden. And you got one minute to uh, finish out this discussion on Russia and energy.
2: It is a huge financial burden. And you asked who's in control of the White House. It's not Kamala Harris. uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, I I think what you have is a coterie. (laughs) No. I I think what you've got is a coterie of George Soros uh, funded allies, such as Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, such as Tony Blinken, the uh, Secretary of State, uh, such as um, um, Susan Rice, uh, who has an unclear position at the White House. But these are hard left-wing g- green energy zealots who believe, as George Soros does, that Putin is the source of all evil and that uh, the United States should be backing color revolutions around the world that, oh, just so happened, uh, serve his personal and financial interests. So I think we need to look at that as well. Who is benefiting from these crimes?
1: And with that, uh, stay tuned for the exciting
3: second half of Unite, i.e. radio. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM 590 The Answer. If you'd like to own a home and you need financing, or you'd like to refinance a home you already own, whether that's in California or one of these Escape from California states, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana, I'm the guy you want to talk to. Or if you'd like to inquire into the, one of the most liberating financing tools for seniors, a reverse mortgage, you want to talk to someone who will guide you towards decisions based on your best interest, not theirs. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. My team and I will lead you to the best decision for you, based on your short-term and your long-term goals. Again, for more information, call me at 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on
4: the Planet Home Lending logo. Tired of the tyranny in California? Join the San Bernardino County Patriots. Everyday god-loving, flag-loving citizens, constitutional patriots of all races, working to take back our county and our country. Taking a stand against corruption and career politicians to give the power back to the people. It's time for patriots to rise up. The San Bernardino County Patriots. 909-926-1140. 909-926-1140. Online at sbcountypatriots.com.
0: AM 90 the answer
1: Welcome back to Unite IE Radio the radio show for the most important political office that of the private citizen and the second most important the radio talk show host my name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and we are visiting today with our favorite foreign policy expert, Ken Timmerman, at KenTimmerman.com. Whole range of books, and we're gonna. I want to get to the election, because there's more news about the 2020 election and your uh, novel, which turned out to be all too true, The Election Heist, as well as Iran. So before we leave Ukraine and the uh, murky situation there, because somebody said, I don't remember who it was, that... It, Truth is the first casualty in war, and uh, certainly so in, in, in this war. But how do you see, a month from now, or when this war comes to an end and all wars come to an end, what do you see happening?
2: Well, it was Churchill who coined that phrase the, most recently, I believe, during World War II, uh, in his phenomenal memoirs. Uh, look, the one thing that is absolutely certain, a lot more Ukrainians are going to die. Uh, A lot more uh, cities are going to be laid waste by the Russian forces. Uh, They've shown no um, concern whatsoever, no regard whatsoever for the civilian populations of Ukraine. That is for sure. Uh, As we witness and as the world witnesses more of this devastation, how will they respond? And that, I think, is one of the big uncertainties. Will, Will the West respond with collective outrage? And do something uh, really severe to Russia, uh, you know, further than just these financial sanctions. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. What I don't think is going to happen because it's a very unwise idea is for the U.S. to impose a no-fly zone. Zelensky has been asking for that. Uh, he's been asking Macron, the president of France, who I call Little Cookie, uh, for a no-fly zone. Uh, but as uh, Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary here in this country, said, uh, you know, that means U.S. pilots shooting down russian airplanes it's called war and uh, do we want to be in a direct shooting war with russia i don't think so i really don't think so so you're left with these half i shouldn't call them half measures it's unfair but you're left with less than military measures and you're also left perhaps with helping the people in st petersburg and in moscow who have been brave enough to protest on the streets uh, against putin Now, I don't know how long they're going to last. Uh, I am not uh, sure either how long the Ukrainian resistance is going to last. There has been a a development just over the past 24 hours where the FSB, the Russian KGB, or the successor to the KGB, has announced quite publicly that they're going to round up people in Ukraine who oppose Russian dominance and execute them. And it's awfully reminiscent of what the Nazis did in occupied France, uh, where uh, w- when the resistance fighters would attack uh, a Nazi military column or, or kill an officer, they would respond by going into the village where that happened, lining up all the men and then picking out every tenth man and taking him around the back and shooting them quite publicly, quite publicly. So you can see this kind of collective reprisal happening in Ukraine by the Russians, and if it does. All bets are off because now you're talking about war crimes so blatant and so flagrant that uh, it will be impossible for the West not to respond.
1: You're probably right now that they, they've got Putin's enemy number one. But, of course, we'll, we'll look the other way when uh, the, what's happening in China, where they're executing pres- Christians and following Gong and Muslims and selling their organs. But we, seem to be able, we, we seem to be able to overlook that. Or yes. when there was a, there was a it barely made a ripple in in our media, but there was a there was a long war in Congo that killed two or three million people and say I say that one barely made a ripple but where this one is now the focus, and for whatever reasons they've just, our ruling elite has decided to make Putin enemy number one, the reincarnation of Hitler, and of course everyone who disagrees is Hitler um uh, <laughs> yeah That you're right. I think that they, if that was happening, then that would that would be that would just be a huge huge deal.
2: Could, well, you're right, and I think I think what's happened is that the financial elites in this country are no longer profiting from Russia. They're profiting from countries like Ukraine, and, and of course, enormously, enormously from communist China.
1: Do you? I was uh, what. You watched a lot of stories about what's happening in the military, and one that stuck, stuck out to me was an article about the d- declining of readiness of the Air Force and they're not able to meet their readiness goals, and they decided to take a more, quote, holistic, unquote, view of readiness. But then the article contained a quote from the first, from the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. He's a, he's, he's a black man. And he says, you don't know the anxiety, the despair, the heartache, the fear, the rage, the disappointment that comes with living in this country every single day. Huh? Huh? That's what, that's what I said. I, I had to reread re- that. Uh, that's, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's, I mean, maybe it's not all that blatant, but that's the kind of attitude. That's, that's, being, that's what's getting promoted in the military today.
2: Wow. Uh, that's pretty disheartening. It really is.
1: Could I've read two articles by retired colonels that said we couldn't beat the Russians in a in a conventional war, and now the Russian performance in the, in this war thus far also seems to be less than overwhelming. How do you think that would play? Let's let's suppose no flight. Let's suppose we really were going to try to fight them over in Ukraine. How do you think that would play out?
2: Well, we would have to uh, airlift um, heavy divisions into Western Europe and then advance them into Poland, the Russians would have lots of warning that that was happening. Now, would they be able to prevent it? I'm not certain, but they would have lots of warning and they could be prepared. But you do point out something very important is that the reports were getting on the ground. And again, it's in the fog of war. So nobody is 100% certain how accurate these reports are. Uh, but uh, you, you're hearing reports of Russian soldiers deserting Russian soldiers soldiers, uh, uh, shooting holes in the gas tanks of their armored vehicles, so the gas will run out and they'll stall. Uh, You hear that uh, stories of that uh, forty-mile-long convoy that's been stalled outside of Kiev for five days. Since when does a military convoy get stalled for five days? I mean, that's just unheard of. We never got stalled in the Iraqi desert, Uh, but then again, the U.S. does logistics. You know, the U.S. Army, big army, does logistics. Apparently, the Russia's, Russia's big army doesn't do logistics.
1: Yeah, that's uh, was someone against. Them? I don't remember the name of the quote. Is that um, amateurs talk strategy, professionals talk logistics?
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's right. And and so they 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 have encountered a logistics nightmare, uh, which would not happen. Should we um, decide to take that step, which I think at this point would be foolhardy to move the first cavalry division or the, you know, the first infantry division or the third infantry division uh, into uh, Europe to confront Russia
3: directly?
1: Let's change our focus. And there's other there's other parts of the world, and, and I particularly want to talk about Iran because that is uh, they are driving for a nuclear weapon, and they've been stalled out by by sabotage by Israeli. they won't admit it, of course, uh, assassination of their of of their nuclear scientists. Um, they there was a uh, virus in, put into their computer system in their nuclear facilities that took them that delayed them, but. They're relentless and they're driving for it. And Biden seems to be again; he's not making the decisions, but whoever is is determined to reinstate Obama's nukes for Iran agreement, and that will let them have nuclear weapons. And Israel may not even under the even under the Labor government may not be willing to let that happen. How how do you see that playing out?
2: Well, uh, I think Biden is wedded to the Iran nuclear deal. And he's been wedded to the Iranian regime for decades. I can remember going to a fundraiser by a pro-Iranian lobbying group in Washington, D.C. in 2002, 20 years ago. Keynote speaker, Joe Biden. One, two years after that, 2004, keynote speaker, John Kerry. So these guys have been wedded to the Iranian regime for some time. They seem to believe that uh, Iran has a Uh, more active and uh, uh, valid democracy than we do in the United States. You hear all this talk about democracy. You never hear them challenging the lack of democracy in a country like Iran, which also claims to be a democracy. Uh, So I think that Biden will press for the nuclear deal. And here, Greg, is the ultimate irony. I hope you're sitting down because you know who is leading the negotiations today with the Iranians to seal this new nuclear deal? It's the Russian envoy. It's the Russians who are who are walking together arm in arm with the Iranians to get to to ring new concessions from the United States that Biden, uh, Tony Blinken, and Jake Sullivan, uh, all of them, uh, I should say, each one of them more inept than the other. That all of them will agree to.
1: And that's also that's also been a mystery is. For years, China and Russia have basically screened for the Iranian nuclear weapons program. And while we in Israel are probably number one and number two on their nuclear hit list, China and Russia, uh, who both have have, have, have had dealing with Muslim insurgencies, or have, can't be very far down the list. So um, why why does... Why does Russia and China, why are they willing to see Iran get nuclear weapons?
2: Uh, it's, it's very simple, and it's, um, uh, it's been this way for 30, 40 years during the Iran-Iraq war. Uh, the Russians and the Chinese as well have made very, very clear to the Iranian leadership that if they dare, if they dare to support Muslim minorities in Russia or China, they will cease to re- exist as a regime. And the Russians have more credibility. The Chinese have more credibility when they make that kind of threat than we do. That's for sure. I saw this firsthand uh, back in the mid 80s when I was uh, over in Europe and the Middle East uh, and talking to arms dealers in Iraq. And I did a book on arms sales to Iran and Iraq. And that was in the middle of the Afghan war. Remember, the U.S. and the Saudis were backing the Mujahideen. Uh, Later, they became al-Qaeda, and more recently, they became ISIS, but we were backing the Islamic extremists against Russia, and we won. Well, Iran sits on a border, has a long border with Afghanistan, and guess what? They never, ever, ever supported the Afghan Mujahideen. In fact, they cracked down on them in refugee camps inside Iran. Why? Because the Russians were sending arms to Iran, and they wanted that arms pipeline to continue.
1: Hmm. Inter how politics and principle and religion you know there's inter always an interesting mix uh, While we 're on the subject of Iran people seem well what happens so what they Pakistan has some nu- has nuclear weapons India, which is not really a threat to us. North Korea has nuclear weapons, Soviet Union or now Russia had nuclear weapons, does and does now. China does. OK, so, you know, kind of. All right. Well, so what? So, so if Iran has some nuclear weapons, why is that such a big deal?
2: <laughs> well, it's a big deal because they are blatantly and, and admittedly uh, a terrorist state. Uh, they claim to use terrorism as an arm of their foreign policy. They say this openly and they claim that it's because we are weak, we muslim countries are weak, so therefore we have to be able to use whatever means at our disposal to to uh, attack the great satan which is us here in this country and the little satan which is in israel. So i think the iranians are uh, clearly trying to seize control of the persian gulf. It has been the goal of this islamist regime Since the get go in 1979, they've been stymied for many, many years, but now they have a a lot more opportunity to do so than they did in the past. Since 2019, Greg, the Russian, Chinese, and Iranian navies have been holding joint naval exercises right at the mouth of the Persian Gulf and the Sea of Oman. The last one was just about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So, you know, they are actively. Cooperating, collaborating together. I have a piece in the April issue of Newsmax Magazine about this Iran-China-Russia access. And it's clear also that both Russia and China want a nuclear-armed Iran because it will increase the price on the United States for dominance in that part of the world. Russia doesn't want us to dominate the Persian Gulf either. So they and neither do the Chinese. The Chinese have been building naval facilities in Pakistan. They just recently signed a 25-year, $400 billion agreement with the Iranian regime to build military bases and invest in the oil and gas industry and other stuff. So they are all looking forward to pushing the U.S. out of that region entirely, and nuclear weapons give Iran the means to do it.
1: Let's take a pause here and hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, the uh, San Bernardino County Patriots, a great new group in our area. Back after this. Tired of the tyranny in Southern California? Join the San
2: Bernardino County Patriots, everyday God-loving, flag-loving citizens, constitutional patriots of all races, working to take back our county and our country, taking a stand against corruption and career politicians to give the power back to the people. It's time for patriots to rise up. The San Bernardino County Patriots, 909-926-1140, 909-926-1140, online at
1: sbcountypatriots.com. 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased to be visiting with Ken Timmerman, our favorite foreign policy expert. We've been delved into what's happening with Iran and its nuclear program, as well as the situation with Russia and Ukraine. Before we finish up here in our our show, in our final segment, we do have some announcements. One is School Choice is still up for signature, and we can now download the petition, print it at home on 85 by 11 paper from the website californiaschoolchoice.org californiaschoolchoice.org and there's a space for 14 signatures on there, so even if it's just you and your spouse, that's fine, uh, but if you can get some more signatures on that before mailing it in, that would be great, and we still have a chance to, to this initiative qualified for the 2022 ballot. Getting our children out of the government run schools is a national survival issue. Coming up on April 10, we have the next Unite IE Conservative Conference. Our confirmed speakers thus far are Charlie Kirk, Sebastian Gorka, Larry Elder, Pastor Tim Thompson, and others will be uh, confirmed and announced soon. This is a great event, and you can get your tickets by going to the website am590theanswer.com and click on the banner for the conference and uh, get your tickets there. It's going to be a great event, and you'll, you will regret not being there. As Humphrey Bogart said, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon. And for the rest of your life. And our last announcement is our favorite teacher, Rebecca Friedrichs, has a new movie out entitled Whose Children Are They? It's going to be a special one-night showing and you can get your tickets. That's from March 14th and you can get your tickets by going to Whose children are they and, and that's a great movie. I've seen the clip of that, and Rebecca does great work, so we encourage you to support that. Back to the topic at hand, And before we leave Iran, um, do you think deterrence will work with Iran, and in particular, will Iran, once they have a nuclear weapon, use it on us as an EMP weapon?
2: <laughs> well, they've been practicing with that, Greg. Uh, and they've been practicing that for quite some time. Uh, I pointed out uh, in 1998, both in congressional testimony and to the Rumsfeld Commission that was looking at ballistic missile defenses, that Iran had just that year tested a, a short range Scud type missile uh, launched from a barge in the Caspian Sea in what would be an a, a EMP strike from the coast, from a coastal freighter or something to the United States. And since then, they have tested longer range missiles and, and uh, detonated them in what would be an EMP configuration. This is extremely dangerous. Uh, EMP is probably where we in the homeland of this country are the, the most vulnerable. Everything, everything runs on electricity. I don't care if it's green uh, or even windmills. Uh, it will all go down. Uh, you won't be able to pump gas. Your refrigerator is gonna stop. Your freezer is gonna melt your telephones w- will fry. Uh, and by the way, those solar panels will fry as well if we get hit with an EMP strike. It is the one thing that could truly decimate this country. Uh, I'm sure that you said it on this program, but you know the EMP Commission in Congress, which I was involved with at a certain point uh, not too long ago, estimated that uh, a concerted EMP strike, two warheads, that's all it takes, two warheads, one in the central eastern part of the country, one in the central western part of the country, at 200 kilometers up in the atmosphere, two warheads would take down the entire electric grid and ultimately, within about four weeks, five weeks, bring the population of the United States back to where it was in the 1880s. And in case you don't know where we were in the 1880s, because I didn't know, I had to look it up, our population then was between 80 and 90 million people. So So
1: just think of that. And not from, not from nuclear blast or radiation. This, they'll, they're going to die from disease, starvation, and breakdown of order because this isn't power off for a week or, or even a month. It would take years, if at all, to, yes. to, 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 to restore the system.
2: That's right. It's, it's basically power off forever. Uh, and until such damage has been done that uh, it doesn't matter any longer. That's you know, 250 million dead. I mean, that's huge. It's enormous. It's, it's unthinkable. But that is what the Iranians think about. When they say death to America and it's possible, they mean it.
1: You wrote your, your book, Election Heist, which was a novel, but it was, turned out to be all too true. And we see almost every week, or if not more frequently, more evidence coming out. The uh, retired Supreme Court Justice in Wisconsin just issued his report finding widespread fraud in the state and recommending uh, that the state decertify it's electoral boss now whether that can legally happen or not, is another question but it's just one more confirmation that uh your book while fiction was entirely true was entirely too too accurate
2: yeah, alas alas and i tried to get the attention of the president in person and i tried to get the attention of his family and his advisors uh, in you know august of, of 2020 before the election. And I couldn't. Um, Cleta Mitchell, who's probably one of the best Republican uh, elections attorneys, uh, came down to where I live in, in uh, northeast Florida a, a couple of months ago and uh, said she was astonished that Trump only called her in on November 4th, the day after the election. They had an opportunity to prepare for this. They did not. Uh, the RNC was trying uh, in a number of states, they were su- they were engaged in lawsuits with with the Democrats and Democrat um, groups uh, funded by Zuckerberg and by Soros. And they were trying to prevent this all mail in ballot. Uh, they were trying to prevent a number of the the initiatives uh, using covid as a pretext that ultimately gave us a corrupt election in 2020. And they failed. They failed. It was too little, too late. And the Democrats were everywhere, everywhere. And by the way, the Democrat effort was led by a guy named Mark Elias. Uh, And Mark Elias, his deputy, was a guy named Nussbaum. Nussbaum has been indicted by, (laughs) right, uh, uh, in in the Russia probe. Uh, So uh, we could get to Mr. Elias and his misdeeds if Durham concludes that probe in the next uh, couple of months.
1: I will believe that any prominent Democrat or member of the deep state, but then I repeat myself, uh, will face justice in this life if and when it happens.
2: Well, we'll see. We shall see. But they're certainly going to face justice at the polls this November. And I must say, I give credit to a lot of states, Arizona, uh, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan and others, Pennsylvania, for toughening up. Their election laws and trying to prevent this mass, mass mail in voting, which is just an invitation to fraud because the voter rolls are corrupt, completely corrupt. Uh, dead people, people who moved out of state, uh, people who, 300 people who were registered to a storefront, for example, illegal stuff, and uh, they have never wanted to clean it up. So we're starting to see some efforts by Republicans in those legislatures, very positive.
1: I will hope that you are correct on that. Uh, in our very remaining time, we only have a little over a minute. Um, China, and that's way too big of a topic. But more specifically, is will China, in the, do you think China in the near future, even during this Ukraine war, will try to militarily take over Taiwan?
2: Well, if you'd asked me this two weeks ago, I would say no. And, and I would have said no for a number of very good reasons. Number one, that uh, Taiwan is not Ukraine. That uh, You have to uh, launch a, an amphibious landing and then support your troops, get the logistics tail up there. Uh, number two, because the Taiwanese are well-trained and well-equipped. But now, two weeks after we've seen Putin surprise the world, go in to take all of Ukraine, I say the bets are off. We know that China wants Taiwan. There's no doubt about that. They say it every single day. Uh, and we know that they've already taken Hong Kong and, and and Tibet and other places, but Hong Kong recently. So we know that they want to do it. The question is when, and do they believe that uh, they should advance the timetable because they have a weak president in the United States that could enter their calculations? And if it does, God help us.
1: And that would be even probably even harder for us to do anything about because it is so close to to China by trying to by trying to China trying to fight us in. Cuba, or Mexico. But that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much, Ken, for being on the show and your insights. And tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio.
2: Greg, my pleasure. Thanks so much. (laughs)
4: Tired of the tyranny in California? Join the San Bernardino County Patriots, everyday God loving, flag loving citizens, constitutional patriots of all races, working to take back our county and our country, taking a stand against corruption and career politicians to give the power back to the people. It's time for patriots to rise up. The San Bernardino County Patriots, 909 926 1140. 909 926 1140. Online at sbcountypatriots.com.
3: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending
4: and host of the main event
3: heard weekends right here on AM590 The Answer. If you'd like to own a home and you need financing, or you'd like to refinance a home you already own, whether that's in California or one of these escape from California states, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana, I'm the guy you want to talk to. Or if you'd like to inquire into the, one of the most liberating financing tools for seniors, a reverse mortgage, you want to talk to someone who will guide you towards decisions based on your best interest, not theirs. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. My team and I will lead you to the best decision for you based on your short-term and your long-term goals. Again, for more information, call me at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. AM
0: 590, the answer